28. If you'll turn there, we'll continue our journey through the book of Deuteronomy. So Wednesday nights, if you're visiting with us, you're wondering why are they in Deuteronomy chapter 28. It's because we go chapter by chapter, verse by verse through the Bible, and we're going through the Old Testament, and that's where we happen to be on this night. So Deuteronomy chapter 28, and we'll begin at verse 1. If you need a Bible, Jim's got some Bibles in the back in his hand. Just raise your hand, and um, he'll slip you one so we can... Um, just kind of read it together and see what it is that I'm reading is what's in your Bible as well. So Deuteronomy chapter 28. As you are making your way there, just a couple quick announcements. Um, just want to remind you uh, to continue to pray uh, for uh, Jerry Sanders, who's going to have surgery tomorrow. And uh, so um, they're going to be uh, taking, removing part of his lung. Uh, they found a cancer growth there. So be praying for him. And I believe that it's in the mornings when he's going to have surgery and then also we are praying for um, Sherry Martinez's father, uh, as you recall last week, and um, he is doing much better, and uh, so continue to pray for him. He's still in the hospital and uh, still has a lot of recovery. So uh, we praise God for that, um, but we still want to lift Tom up in prayer as well, so continue to do that. Of course, we also want to pray for those in Haiti, as most of you know, uh, that catastrophic earthquake that took place yesterday afternoon. And uh, we're getting the reports that are starting to trickle in and the pictures. And um, they believe the death tolls is going to be in the tens of thousands of people, probably exceeding 100,000 people. And uh, so there are many missionaries there in Haiti. We need to pray for them. And um, Sally and J.D. were missionaries uh, for a while in Haiti. So I'm sure it touches them deeply uh, to see this uh, going on. So... Um, we just want to lift them up. Uh, I can't imagine, you know, um, just the devastation and uh, the, and that's just the death toll. Uh, obviously, hundreds of thousands uh, hurt as well and injured in the medicine and food and supplies and pretty much everything. It's just been leveled in the capital city. And uh, so, um, one of the things as we pray also. The Lord perhaps will uh, move you with compassion to help out in some way, as many people will. Just one of the things, be wise in who you give to, because one of the things that they're warning about is scams coming out now. They've already begun, and uh, so make sure whoever you give uh, to that um, they are going to you know, be reputable uh, missions or um, relief help or whatever it might be. For example, the Red Cross uh, something like that. So just uh, double check with everything. The emails will be pouring out here in, in the next few days. Individuals perhaps that might say that they need money or things like that. You just be wary of. So be wise and, and be careful in that area. Um, it's interesting that today um, we had a, uh, a friend of ours, Sue and I, uh, she doesn't go here, but uh, we know her. Uh, there was an email that went out from her this morning that she was in London and she got robbed at gunpoint and everything stolen, all her money. And so can you please send me money? Well, we knew she wasn't in London because we just talked to her, you know. And so um, those kinds of things take place. So you need to be wise and check everything out and and just want to give you a heads up on that. And I know most of you know this, um, but I feel like I just need to mention that quickly while we talk about these things. So lots of things to pray about, and we will do that tonight, and let's do that now. Father, we do ask that you would just, first of all, continue to minister to Tom, Sherry's dad, and that you would just 
Uh, we're thankful that this uh, week he has made a, um, a recovery that uh, shows good signs. And um, Lord, we pray that you continue to touch him and minister to him. Use this to draw him to yourself. And Lord, just continue to be with Sherry and Jerry and the family and uh, as they minister to him. Um, and Lord, just bless them. We pray that your hand be upon them. Father, we pray for Jerry as well as he has surgery tomorrow, that, Lord, that you be with him and, and Sandy and, and um, that you just uh, be with the doctors and the nurses and the surgery team. And, Lord, everything would go well and he would recover quickly. We just lift all that up to you and him to you, Lord. And I know that there are others that perhaps aren't feeling well or have prayer needs. And, and Lord, we want to be a congregation that we lift up each other um, to you, Lord. And, and Father, I pray for those who perhaps have been feeling sick, those who perhaps um, come in with a heavy heart tonight, uh, maybe needing direction and wisdom or comfort, that, Lord, you would do that work tonight in our hearts. Lord, certainly uh, we pray for those in Haiti, um, millions of people suffering right now, and also in Dominican Republic. And, Lord, we pray that the relief would get there quickly and... Uh, Lord, I pray for the Christians that are there, the missionaries, many of them that are there, uh, that you would help them and strengthen them to be a light and to bring a message of hope that is in Jesus Christ. Father, for all those who are bringing relief, uh, our own nation, and, and um, that, again, it would be used wisely, and um, that somehow that, um, that this would bring people closer to you. Um, it's hard to know what exactly to pray in a situation like this, but Lord, you know. And our hearts get moved with compassion when we see the pictures and we are going to see the stories. And Lord, um, we just lift this all up to you. And even tonight, as we're reminded, we live in a fallen world. And there's catastrophe and there's disasters and there's sickness and there's disease. And even as we see tonight, there's um, consequences for sin. And Lord, I pray that we would be ones that we would remember that we have hope, a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Lord, that we would be ones that each and every day, that we would, to the people around us, be able to bring truth to them and comfort. And Lord, that they would see the reality of Jesus in our lives. So teach us right now as we study your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So Deuteronomy chapter 28 through Deuteronomy chapter 34. Really what this section of Deuteronomy is going to be is what I think is, is a prelude to the book of Joshua. So it's almost um, you know, setting up for us to understand really the book of Joshua. And as we have seen in the book of Deuteronomy, Moses had been giving the children of Israel, the law once again. So 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, we've seen all their experiences, the law that had been given to them over the last months and actually a couple years as we've been going through Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and just about ready to finish the book of Deuteronomy. And as we have seen their experiences in the wilderness, of course, it would be the Lord that brought them out of Egypt to the mountain of God where he made a covenant with them. And there they said, we will keep this covenant. And it was Moses that even confirmed the covenant as a sacrifice or sacrifices were made. And then he sprinkled the people with blood. They said, we will do what you tell us to do, Lord. But it would be shortly after that that they broke that covenant. 
dancing naked around a golden calf and committing immorality. In their wilderness experience, we saw that they were ones that had hearts of unbelief, a hardness of heart, and they were full of disobedience because they would not go into the promised land. So that generation dies out there in the wilderness, and now there's this new generation ready to go in. So Moses has been giving them once again the law, the the covenant, is being reminded to them and now is being confirmed with them as we see that part of the children of Israel, part of the tribe, six of them, were on Mount Ebal where the curses are pronounced and then half of them, the other six, on Mount Garrison to bless the people. So you have the curses and the blessings and that's what we're going to see in chapter 28 is the blessings and the cursings that are reiterated to them. If you follow after me, I'm going to bless you in these ways. If you walk in disobedience, then the curses are going to come as well. And so the blessings and the cursings are there uh, for us. And um, so we're going to see that it's going to be spelled out for us very specifically. And this is a confirmation of the covenant that God made with the children of Israel And it is uh, binding that covenant once again with the blessings and the cursings as we see in this chapter. So let's begin to look at that as we see in chapter 28. Now it will come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth and all the blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. And so we see here again that God had given as we have seen, the covenant and the laws. And now he says, if you observe and keep the commandments, there's going to be blessing. And what he says, not just just blessing in a small amount, but these blessings are going to be upon you and overtake you. In other words, there are going to be tremendous blessings as you walk after my ways and keep my commandments. And here he um, is again, reminding them of the blessings of walking in obedience. If there's one thing that we have seen going through the book of Deuteronomy, and that is that there is blessing in walking in the ways of the Lord. And I pray that we understand that. And so here he says the blessings are going to come to you. To us as Christians, the Lord says uh, to us in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. And I really believe that the Lord desires for us to be blessed in such a tremendous way in the spiritual blessings that he desires to, to pour out on us and giving us joy and peace and wisdom and strength and comfort and all these things as we walk with him. And so he does do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. And, and as we were singing that song tonight, I Surrender All, I hope and pray that that's what our hearts are saying. Lord, I just want to surrender all to you. And I believe that the Christian who humbles their heart and does that, the Christian who has that contrite spirit and says, Lord, I just submit to you and desire to please you with my life, that you're going to see the Lord do exceedingly abundantly above all that you ask or think. Now, it doesn't mean in that that he's going to give you all that you want, but he's going to work in your life where you're going to see the Lord uh, just do marvelous things. And, And as you desire to live for him, then you're going to see the Lord use you in a a great way. You're going to see the Lord bless your life in giving you 
uh, wisdom and comfort and strength and joy in your heart and just living that uh, abundant life that it has for you and for me. And I know that I've mentioned this before, but a major lesson that we have seen from the book of Exodus all the way through now the end of the book of Deuteronomy is that the Lord here, bringing them out of Egypt, he had promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that I'm going to give you this land. And so now that they are a nation, two and a half million people, he was going to bring them through the wilderness, and he was going to take them into the promised land. And so they came out, he made the covenant with them, the tabernacle ministry was set up, and they were ready in the second year of their exodus to go into the promised land, but they didn't. And they ended up 40 years in the wilderness. And one of the things that we have seen and learned is this, is that we can experience that dryness and that wilderness experience because of disobedience, because of hardness of heart, because um, we are not trusting in the Lord and the promises that he has for you and for me. The Lord desires for us to move into the promised land, to have that abundant life that he has for you and for me as we're established in his ways, as we're walking in his ways, if we're just yielded to him. So there's going to be tremendous blessing here, as he says, as you walk in my ways. In verse 3 through 14 is the blessings that he spells out. And we're going to read this and go through this fairly quickly, and I'll make a few comments. Well, I think I'll make a few comments, but we'll see how few I make. So verse 3, blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed shall you be when you go out. In verse 7, the Lord will cause your enemies to rise against you to be defeated before your face, and they shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and all to which you set your hand, and he will bless you in the land which the Lord your God has given you. Verse 9, the Lord will establish you as a holy people to himself, just as he has sworn to you, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. And then all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord, and they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will grant you plenty of goods and the fruit of your body and the increase of your livestock and the produce of your ground and the land which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in the season, and to bless all the hand of your work of your hand, and you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail, and you shall be above only and not be beneath, if you heed the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, and are careful to observe them. And then verse 14, And you shall not turn aside from any of the words which I command you this day to the right or to the left, and go after other gods to serve them. Now, this last um, phrase here in the last sentence of verse 14, the emphasis has been in their obedience that they do not go after other gods. Now, God in this saying, I want you to obey my words. I want you to keep my commandments. He's not expecting perfection from this nation. And the reason that we can say that is because he did establish the sacrifices, didn't he? So when they did sin, they can go and offer the sin sacrifice and the uh, trespass uh, offering as well. So there was provision for when there was sin. But one of the keys was that they would keep a heart after the Lord. They, They would worship the Lord. We see David in his life, and and this, I think, will help us to understand. When you go through and look at the different kings of of Judah, they were always compared to David, weren't they? 
you always see that this, this king, the first example, Jehoshaphat, did what was right in the sight of the Lord. He did what was right like his father David did. And so David was always kind of the standard that the other kings were held to. When you look at David's life, David sinned, didn't he? I mean, he had some great sins that we would consider. He committed adultery with Bathsheba, and then he committed what would be considered murder as he had her husband put to death, putting him on the front lines, given the command that he'd be put on the front lines, and then the army would retreat and he would be left alone, and he would be killed in battle. So David was guilty of those things. He repented. He confessed it to the Lord, and we see that the Lord forgave David. But even though David was one that we see that he had shortcomings and sin in his life, he had a heart after God, didn't he? And that's what's being spoken of. You see, David never bowed the knee to an idol. And that's why it says that these kings did what was right in the sight of the Lord and, and like their father David was. And so David was one that never burnt incense to idols. He never bowed to knee to idols. He had a heart after God. You can see that in the Psalms that he writes. And so you see, even with his son Solomon, that Solomon burnt incense to, to false gods because of the concubines and the wives that he had from foreign nations. He was one that built the temple to Moloch. And we've discussed how Moloch was the one that they would sacrifice their own children on the arms of Moloch there in the Gehenna Valley. So David was kind of the standard. And here the Lord, his desire was, you worship me, you, you, you look to me, keep my commandments and my statutes, don't go after other gods, because he knew that that was the real pull and the real key to them pulling away from the Lord and, and walking in disobedience. So here he says there's going to be blessing in verse 3, everywhere where you live, that is in the country or in the city. Uh, verse 4, there's going to be blessing for a fruitful life. Verse 5, blessing upon your provisions. Uh, verse 6, blessing wherever you go. And then verse 7, blessing and giving victory against your enemies. And then verse 6, uh, or verse 8, excuse me, there's going to be blessing in the work that you do. Now, I mentioned to you that this is kind of a prelude to the book of Joshua, because what we're going to see is when this covenant is renewed here in this chapter and in chapter 29, we're going to see that Moses is going to uh, teach them a song and uh, then we're going to see the final blessing of Moses upon the people, Joshua in his inauguration as the new leader, and then Moses dies, and that's going to end the book of Deuteronomy. And then the book of Joshua with Joshua taking the children of Israel into the promised land. But one of the things that, um, that this is not only a prelude, I believe, to the book of Joshua, I think it's really a prelude to the whole, all of the Old Testament. Because chapter 28 tells us really what's going to happen in their history. And actually, Moses is going to tell them that the time's going to come when you're going to walk in disobedience. So this sets up what we see in the Old Testament, doesn't it? We're going to see that they're going to have great blessing in the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua is a book of, of blessing and victory because they trusted in the Lord. They were walking in his ways. But that generation after Joshua, we see the book of Judges, which is a book of defeat because they were worshiping what? The gods of the Canaanite. There, there was compromise. So you would see that they would be in captivity and in bondage and there would be drought and all these things that are going on. And then we see during the reign of David and Solomon, again, there was peace and prosperity that took place in the nation, defeated their enemies. But then after that, we see the nation was split in the house of Israel and then in the house of Judah 
and once again, we saw that they would eventually go off into captivity. So this really sets up all of the Old Testament, what we see takes place in their uh, history. But for you and I, again, we can make application here because we know that as we have a heart for God and as we're devoted to God and desire to walk in His ways, there's going to be blessing. Uh, There's going to be blessing wherever it is that we live. There's going to be fruit that's going to be produced in our lives. We're going to see God providing for us. Uh, We're going to see that wherever we go, that the Lord's going to be with us and he's going to work through us. We know that there's victory against our enemy, Satan. And as we discussed in Colossians chapter 2, that the enemy, Satan, has been stripped of his authority. As Jesus died on Calvary's cross, he has disarmed principalities and powers. We know that as we walk with the Lord, there's blessing in our work. But also we see in verse 9, we see that um, the people of the other nations are going to see God's hand that is on them, and they're going to be afraid of them. In other words, they're going to look at the children of Israel, and they're going to see that they are being blessed. They're going to see that they're defeating the enemies and the other nations. And it's going to be a testimony and a witness to the other nations that God is true and that he is real and that he is faithful. And that's my prayer for all of us, that as we walk with the Lord, that it is a testimony to those around us of the reality of God and the faithfulness of God and the goodness of God, the blessing of God, that he's real. And people can look at that and be at awe and say, you know what, that Christian, there's something different about them. And they can see the Lord working through us and somewhat of the Lord uh, being uh, radiated and, um, and lived out in our lives. And that's what being a witness is all about. It's not just the words that we speak, but how we live our lives and people seeing that light that is coming from us because the light of the world, Jesus Christ, lives in our hearts. And that's what I pray that, that we are, that we are testimony to others of the reality of Jesus Christ. He's real in my heart. He's working in my life. And you can be blessed too if you come to know him and you surrender your heart to him and understand what he did for you and who he is. And salvation comes through him as, as you surrender all to him yourself. And so here they were to be a testimony to the other nations. Kind of one other comment I want to make. Isn't it interesting in verse 12? You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. And so our own nation, we, a little over a generation ago, was the greatest lending nation, and now we're the greatest, you know, debtor nation. And it's something that, that we see that the Lord said to children of Israel, I don't want you to be in that position. So here was the blessings of the Lord. The glory of God seen through this nation was what the Lord desired. And now the curses of disobedience in verse 15 to the end of the chapter. And there's 52 verses now dealing with the curses. Now one thing about when we go through this chapter, that there are many people who say that Deuteronomy chapter 28 is probably one of the heaviest Uh, you know, uh, maybe one of the more difficult chapters to go through because the Lord's going to be very, very specific about the curses that will come to them. And it's not a pretty picture. And so as we look at verse 15, we read, But it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. And so we see here again, if you do not obey, There is blessing in obedience. There is curses that come with disobedience. There is consequences that are negative. We know that the Lord said 
in um, the book of Galatians that, uh, that whatever a man sows, so shall he reap. And if he sow seeds to the Spirit, shall flow of the Spirit or reap of the Spirit everlasting life. If you sow unto the flesh, uh, what's going to come up is the harvest. You're going to reap corruption. And none of us are exempt from that. And so here is the blessings spelled out to you, tremendous blessing, the curses that are now going to be spelled out. And again, as we go through this fairly quickly, I'll make a few comments on this. But cursed you shall be in the city, verse 16, and cursed shall you be in the country. So we see kind of the exact opposite is going to be spelled out of the blessings. Cursed you shall be, uh, shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. In verse 18, cursed shall be your fruit of your body and the produce of your land, the increase of your cattle and offspring of your flocks. Cursed shall you be when you come in and cursed shall you be when you go out. In verse 20, the Lord will send you uh, on you cursing, confusion, and rebuke and all that you set your hand to do until you are destroyed, until you perish quickly because of the w- wickedness of your doings in which you have forsaken me. You know, one of the things that disobedience will bring is that it will bring confusion. It will bring confusion to you in your life. And, and one of the things that disobedience does is it deceives so much to where you don't know what is true. We talked about this a little bit in Colossians chapter 2, that in Colossians 2, as Paul was warning the Christians, he says, don't be cheated by philosophy and empty deceit and um, traditions of men and, and that which is not according to Christ. And that word cheating means to be robbed, to be plundered. But here's the thing. There are so many voices that are out there in the world telling you and I how to live, telling us things that are contrary to how the Word of God tells us to live. And if you go in that direction, if you walk in disobedience, if you're enamored with the world and pursue the pleasures of the world, there's going to be confusion that will come into your life. And, and there will be all kinds of things that will take place as we see here and go through this. And so he says confusion is going to come um, and rebuke and what you set your hand to do. You're not going to know what is right and what is left. And what I should be doing and and what should be really taking place in my life. That's the wonderful thing about knowing God's word is he tells us how to live. And this is the right way to live. And there's going to be blessing in that. In verse 21, the Lord will make the plague cling to you until he has consumed you from the land which you are going to possess. The Lord will strike you with consumption, with fever, with inflammation, with severe burning fever. And the sword and the scorching with mildew, they shall pursue you until you perish. And your heavens which are over your head shall be bronze, and the earth which is under you shall be iron. And the Lord will change the rain of your land to powder and dust. From the heaven it shall come down on you until you are destroyed. So what we see here in verses 23 and 24, that uh, in the blessings, the Lord said, I'll send the rains for the crops. They didn't have irrigation systems like we do today. So the Lord promised that if you follow after me, I'll send the rains and the latter rains. But here, if you're disobedient, then the heavens are going to dry up and there's going to be drought. Now, again, we see this, don't we, in their history. We can look at different books of of the Old Testament and we can see where they went through a period of drought. Great drought that they went through. We'll see it in the book of Judges. We see it in other places in their history that this really took place, that drought was there and the land began to dry up. And so in our own lives, that if you walk in disobedience, there's going to be a dryness and a barrenness that's going to take place. Guarantee. 
The Lord desires for you to be refreshed. To be just filled with His Spirit. Jesus said there at the temple that if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink, and out of his belly will flow torrents of living water. Speaking of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, if you drink of the well, that is the well of the world, you're going to thirst again. He was pointing there to Jacob's well. He has been talking to that Samaritan woman about living water, and she was confused. And he said, that water you're going to thirst. The water that I have to give to you, living water, you will never thirst again. And there are a lot of people that are thirsty in this world because they're drinking after the well of the world. And the Lord desires each and every day to just refresh you and renew you, to fill you with His Spirit. And, and if you know we're not ones that are looking to the Lord and dependent upon the Lord, there's a dryness and a barrenness that takes place in our lives. And we constantly are thirsty. And we know people in our lives that they're just thirsty all the time. Thirsty, they're not satisfied, they're not fulfilled, they're always looking for something new, um, and it might be something that comes along temporarily, the world, but you're going to thirst again, and you see that happening in people's lives. And the Lord continually, each and every day, as we just walk with Him, we live for Him, just filling us afresh as we go and drink of the living waters. So here there was the dryness that was going to take place. Verse 25, And the Lord will cause you to be defeated before your enemies. You shall go out one way against them, flee seven ways before them, and you shall come, uh, become troublesome to all the kingdoms of the earth. So again, we see this throughout their history, that the enemies would come and defeat them. As I mentioned to you, and as we talked about in Colossians chapter 2, that the word says that, that the principalities and powers have been stripped of their authority. Um, we know that greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. But I will say this, that Peter also speaks about that Satan is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You don't go into his territory. And if you're living after the world and desiring the pleasures of the world, you're going to go into his territory and he's going to pounce on you and devour you. So we need to make sure that we submit to God, resist the devil, the devil will flee from us. That's the promise of James. And, and put on the whole armor of God to resist the fiery darts that the enemy throws at us. It is a war out there, a spiritual war out there, and the enemy is going to look at any way that he can lop your head off and devour you. So don't go into his territory. You keep yourself under the submission and, and keep yourself under, you know, just uh, close to the Lord and allow Him to do the battle for you each and every day. It, the victory's already won. The victory has been won. And Satan has been stripped of his authority, has no direct power and authority over you, but you don't want to go into his territory, as we discussed a couple Sundays ago, because he is one that is looking to deceive. He's a master deceiver. He's a father of lies. He's looking to get a foothold and to destroy your marriage, your family, your ministry, whatever it might be, to discourage you. He's the accuser of the brethren. He'll try to mess with your head. So you stay close to the Lord and to the Word of God. And you just live in the richness of the Lord as you do that. And so verse 26, Your carcass shall be food for all the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth, and no one shall frighten them away. The Lord will strike you with the boils of Egypt, with tumors and the scab and with the itch in which you cannot be healed. 
Verse 28, the Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of heart again. If you are one that you are walking in disobedience, there's a blindness that takes place. And one of the sad things for me as a Christian and, um, you know, as a pastor, ministering to people, I've seen people that have come and they're in the Word and they're learning God's Word and all of a sudden they begin to pull away. And, and then you hear, well, they're partying over here and they're involved in this thing. And you can talk to them and it's like, I'm not doing anything wrong. And it's almost like there's this blindness that's there. And you see, Satan also as well, he, he blinds people and he desires to blind you and I. And that's why, Lord, help me to see clearly. And what that takes is a soft heart before the Lord that each and every day, Lord, like David, that we would say, Lord, here's my heart, search me and try me. That, Lord, open up my eyes spiritually that I may see if there's anything that I'm doing, any direction that I'm going, anything that I'm involved in, any attitude that I have that's not right, please help me to see that. Help me to know that. Help me to confess it and give it to you and turn away from that. But there is a blindness that happens to people when they just get involved in disobedience and and Satan desires the blind. He is the one that blinds the world. And so we see here that blindness will happen. Again, confusion is, is mentioned in verse 28 and madness. In verse 29, And you shall grope at noonday as a blind man gropes in darkness. You shall not prosper in your ways. You shall only be oppressed and plundered continually, and no one shall save you. You shall betroth a wife, but another man shall lie with her. You shall build a house, but you shall not dwell in it. You shall plant a vineyard, but you shall not gather its grapes. You see, disobedience affects every area of your life. When it comes to your marriage, when it comes to your family, when it comes to your work, when it comes to provision. Verse 31, your ox shall be slaughtered before your eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Your donkey shall be violently taken away from before you and shall not restore to you. Your sheep shall be given to your enemies and you shall have no one to rescue them. Your sons and your daughters, verse 32, shall be given to another people and your eyes shall look and fail with longing for them all day long and there shall be no strength in your hand. And so here again, we see captivity is going to take place. And that's what happened, didn't it? It happened with the house of Israel, with the house of Judah, with the Assyrians coming in, taking the house of Israel away. And it was brutal. And that's what we're going to see here. We think, can it get any worse? Well, it is going to get worse. And it just gets worse. And, and, and the Lord's spelling it out very clearly for them so they understand. Your sons and your daughters shall be given to another people. Now, we see that um, in the Old Testament, it talks about how there was a staging area north of Jerusalem where it's, it's mentioned, and, um, and I didn't write it down, but it just came to my mind. When, you, when Herod the Great made that decree to have the children two years and under the, the kids killed in Bethlehem, there's the uh, weeping of Rachel that's mentioned. Uh, that reference in the book of Isaiah. Well, in Isaiah's talking about that, he's talking about when the captivity comes of Judah, that there's going to be the mothers um, that are going to be there, seeing their sons and daughters taken off in the captivity. And that staging area just north of Jerusalem that you read about in the book of Jeremiah, that can you imagine that uh, another nation comes in, takes you captive, and it was a brutal thing. And all of a sudden, your sons and your daughters are going away never to see them again. 
And that's what the Lord is saying to them. There shall be no strength in your hand. Verse 33, A nation whom you have not known shall eat the fruit of your land and the produce of your labor, and you shall be only oppressed and crushed continually. So you shall be driven mad because of the sight which your eye sees. You know what sin does and disobedience does? It will have emotional and mental consequences. It will. It just will. And bring in confusion, as I mentioned to you. It brings sadness, it brings guilt, and it brings shame. So it affects us in so many different ways. And it affects your soul. And it poisons your soul. And and mental and emotional consequences that are, are terrible happen when we walk in disobedience. In verse 35, the Lord will strike you in the knees and in the legs with severe boils which cannot be healed and from the sole of your foot to the top of your head the Lord will bring you uh, and the king whom you set over you to a nation which neither you nor your fathers have known and there you shall serve other gods wood and stone and you shall become an astonishment a proverb and a byword among all nations where the Lord will drive you you shall carry much seed out to the field but gather little in for the locusts shall consume it so Locusts uh, are going to come in and eat of the produce and the crops. In the book of Joel, we see this, don't we? The book of Joel uh, is a short book in the minor prophets of the Old Testament. And it takes place, the book of Joel, they believe, during the reign of Joash, about 800 B.C. And what had happened was Joel speaking about this locust infestation that came into the land and devoured everything, all the vineyards, all the trees. There was nothing green that was left. The Lord was trying to get you know, a whole of the hearts of Judah. This was being carried out because of their disobedience and idol worship. And then in chapter 2, Joel talks about an army of locusts coming in, and he's talking about the day of the Lord. An army of locusts that will come in in the last days, right before the second coming of Jesus Christ, and the, this army of locusts surrounding Jerusalem, and then the people will cry out, and there will be a, a fast, and the Lord will send his army to defeat this army of locusts. It's, it's incredible what is written there. So locust infestation are, are mentioned uh, here. Um, verse 39, you shall plant vineyards and tend them, but you shall neither drink of the wine nor gather the grapes, for the worms shall eat them. And you shall have olive trees throughout all your territory, but you shall not anoint yourself with oil, for your olives shall drop off. You shall beget sons and daughters, but they shall not be yours, for they shall go into captivity. Locusts shall consume all your trees and the produce of your land. The alien who is among you, you shall rise, shall among you shall rise higher and higher above you, and you shall come down lower and lower. And he shall lend to you, but you shall not lend to him. He shall be the head, and you shall be the tail. Verse 45, Moreover, uh, all these curses shall come upon you and pursue and overtake you until you are destroyed, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes which he commanded you. And they shall be upon you for a sign and a wonder, and on your descendants forever, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything. One of the indictments against Judah and against Israel it will be when Jeremiah comes on the scene, um, when Ezekiel uh, later on ministers to them, uh, when they've already gone off into captivity. But those prophets that were ministering there in, in the house of Israel and Judah, they were saying, look how God's blessed you. Look how he's blessed you. And yet you're not recognizing that. And they're not serving the Lord. And so here he says, you know what? You didn't serve the Lord for the abundance of everything. You didn't do it with joy and gladness. You weren't thankful. 
The key for you and for me in serving the Lord, what this shows me, is you do it with gladness and you do it with joy. Do it with gladness and do it with joy. And do it out of a heart of thankfulness because the Lord has brought us out of Egypt, out of the world. And he has blessed us with his blessing as we just recognize that in our lives. In verse 48, Therefore you shall serve your enemies, whom the Lord will send against you in hunger and thirst and nakedness and in need of everything, and he will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. The Lord will bring a nation against you from afar and from the end of the earth as swift as the eagle's flies, as nations whose language you will not understand. Again, this is kind of telling what happens to them in their history. Verse 50, A nation of fierce countenance, which does not respect the elderly, Show favor to the young. When these nations came in Assyria, they were brutal. They tortured the people. They took them off with fish hooks in their mouths in the captivity. They were not nice. The same with the Babylonians. They didn't show anybody any kind of slack, whether you're elderly or young. And verse 51, And you shall eat the increase of your livestock and the produce of your land until you are destroyed. They shall not leave you grain or new wine or oil or the increase of your cattle, the offspring of your flocks, until they have destroyed you. They shall siege you, besiege you, that is, at all your gates until your high and fortified walls in which you trust come down throughout all your land, and they shall besiege you at all your gates throughout your land, which the Lord your God has given to you. And you shall eat the fruit of your own body, the flesh of your sons and daughters, whom the Lord your God has given you in a siege and desperate straits in which your enemy shall distress you. And so, again, when those nations came in, uh, you see, for example, um, there in Second Kings chapter 6, when Syria came in and sieged the city of Samaria, which was the capital of the house of Israel, then the people would convert and, and turn to cannibalism because they surrounded the city, the walls, no food could get in, no, you know, nothing could get in. The people began to starve after a while. And so the Assyrians were the first ones to really master you know, siege in a city and just waiting and people starving. And that's what's being told here. In verse 55, So it will be he will not give any of them the flesh of his children whom he will eat because nothing left in the siege and desperate straits in which your enemy will distress you at your gates. The tender and delicate woman among you who would not venture to set the sole of her foot on the ground because of her delicateness uh, and sensitivity will refuse to the husband and her bosom, and to her son and her daughter, her placenta which comes out from between her feet and her children whom she bears, for she will eat them secretly for lack of everything in a siege, and desperate straits in which your enemy will distress you at all your gates, if you do not carefully observe all the words of this law that are written in this book, that you may fear this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God. In verse 59, then the Lord will bring upon you and your descendants extraordinary plagues, great and prolonged uh, plagues and serious and prolonged sicknesses. Moreover, he will bring back on you all the diseases of Egypt in which you were afraid, and they shall cling to you. Also, every sickness and every plague which is not written in this book of the law will the Lord bring upon you until you are destroyed. You shall be left few in number, whereas you were as the stars of heaven in multitude, because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God. In verse 63, it shall be that just as the Lord rejoiced over you to do you good and multiply you, so the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and bring you to nothing, and you shall be plucked 
from the land which you go to possess. Then the Lord will scatter you among all peoples from one end of the earth to the other, and there you shall serve other gods which neither you nor your fathers have known, wood and stone. And among those nations you shall find no rest, nor shall the sole of your foot have a resting place. But there the Lord will give you a trembling heart, failing eyes, and anguish of soul. Your life shall hang in doubt. Before you you shall fear day and night and have no assurance of life. In the morning you shall say, Oh, that it were evening. At evening you shall say, Oh, that it were morning, because of the fear which terrifies your heart and because of the sight which your eyes see. And the Lord will take you back to Egypt in ships by the way of which I said to you, You shall never see it again. And there you shall be offered for sale for your enemies as male and female slaves, but no one will buy you. Not a pretty picture. Pretty self-explanatory, isn't it? And you may be thinking, why is God being so harsh? Why such judgmental? God is being honest with them. He said, this is what's going to be happening. And I think that he's being very, very graphic to them because he is saying, this is what sin does. It's serious. And I don't want you to misunderstand. I don't want you to come back to me and say, oh, I thought you said if we went into disobedience, we'd just have a few bumps in the road or a few problems. The Lord is saying, so you're clear, so you understand. This is what's going to happen, and I'm going to put it out very, very clear for you to understand. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand what's being said here. And I hope that what, as we read this, as we look at this, that we understand something, and it's simply this, that sin is serious. It is very serious that brings negative consequences and repercussions into our lives. That brings, you know, just difficulties. Here, here the Lord, he's talking about destruction and disease and drought and defeat and distress mentally, physically, oppression, exile, crop failure, everything lost. That's why it's called the heaviest chapter of all the Bible. And I have seen people just lose so much because of sin. And I think that the Lord would say to us, don't take sin lightly. And don't take walking in disobedience lightly. We have God's forgiveness and His grace and His mercy. Yes, we do. And that's what I love to talk about. But I also know the message from Genesis to Revelation is this, that there are serious consequences for sin and disobedience. And there's discouragement and there is captivity that happens and bondage and distress and all kinds of things that take place if we sin, go after sin. There's just bad news is what sin is. I think you could sum it up saying that. It's just bad news. So he says, I want you to understand this. And then chapter 29, real quick. These are the words of the covenant which the Lord commanded Moses to make with the children of Israel in the land of Moab, besides the covenant which he made with them in Oreb. Now Moses called all Israel and said to them, You have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt to Pharaoh, to all of his servants in all this land. The great trials which your eyes have seen, the signs and those great wonders. Your father saw what the Lord did in Egypt, the signs, the miracles, and all of this. You see, it isn't just the miracles that bring somebody where they're committed to the Lord. It really reminds us how the Spirit of God needs to open up hearts and open up our eyes and ears to the Lord, to yield to Him, to touch us, to respond to the, the Holy Spirit, 
bringing that conviction, the Holy Spirit touching our hearts. The religious leaders, they saw the miracles of Jesus, but yet they were rebellious and, and they came against Jesus. So the Spirit of God, whenever you hear, sense the conviction of the Lord, is always to draw you to Him in, in receiving His forgiveness and His mercy in those times where we stray away. And remember that. And so the, just being, again, sensitive to hearing the voice of the Lord in our hearts. In verse 5, And I led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not worn out on you, and your sandals have not worn out on your feet. Wouldn't that be pretty cool? You know, parents, we wouldn't have to buy our kids constantly clothes and shoes all the time. and You know, always having to run the coals or whatever. Verse 6, you have not eaten bread or have you drunk wine or similar drink that you may know that I am the Lord your God. And when you came to this place, Shihon, king of Hesbon, and Og, king of Bashan, came out against us to battle, and we conquered them. We took their land and gave it as an inheritance to the Reubenites and Gadites and half the tribe of Manasseh. And therefore, keep the words of this covenant and do them, that you may prosper in all that you do. God reminds them the great work that he did with them in the wilderness, giving them victory. Um, and uh, he says, I clothed you. Um, your, your sandals didn't wear out. Um, you gave, uh, I gave you bread to eat. Um, I gave you wine to drink. Uh, I conquered the enemy. And now you're going to go and possess what I have for you. You and I, we have been clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Having shod our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. The peace that God wants to put into our hearts. He gives us bread and Jesus would stand and say, I am the bread of life, come and eat of me. He's talking about relationship. He was telling that group there in Capernaum that, listen, you're coming after me, looking for me because I fed you on the hillside the day before, but know that you're hungry again and and the bread of this world is going to run out, but I'm the bread of life and he who eats of me shall never hunger again. He is our joy. That's what wine speaks about. It speaks of joy. He's the one that is our source of joy. He has conquered the enemy again, Colossians chapter 2. And we can possess what it is that he has for us, his promises that he has. That's for you and for me. In verse 10, all of you stand today before your Lord, your God, your leaders, your tribes, your elders, and your officers, all the men of Israel, your little ones and your wives, also the stranger who is in your camp, from the one who cuts your wood to the one who draws your water, that you may enter into the covenant with the Lord your God and to his oath, which the Lord your God makes with you today, that he may establish you today as a people for himself, that he may be... T- God to you, just as he's spoken to you, and just as he's sworn to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will make this covenant and this oath, not with you alone, but with him who stands here with us today before the Lord our God, as well as him who is not here with us today. And so the parties of the covenant, all of you, the leaders, it's going to be the elders, it's going to be, um, you know, uh, the little ones. Um, that are going to be as well as your wives, the stranger who's in your camp, the elders, everybody. Here's the thing. God's promises are for all of us. What we're talking about here, this is for all of us. Whatever a man sows, so shall he reap. None of us are excluded from that. If you reap unto you know, this life, seeds of the Spirit, good things are going to happen. Seeds of corruption, then of the flesh corruption is going to you know, be a harvest of, of that which is corrupt. 
None of us are exempt from these things. In verse 16, For you know that we dwell in the land of Egypt, that we came through the nations which you passed by, and you saw their abominations and their idols which were among them, wood, stone, silver, and gold, so that there may not be among you a man or woman or family or tribe whose hearts turn away today from the Lord your God to go and serve the gods of these nations, that there may not be among you a root bearing bitterness or wormwood. So it may not happen when he hears the words of this curse that he blesses him in his heart, saying, I shall have peace, even though I follow the dictates of my heart, as though the drunkard could be included in the sober. Again, he's saying that this affects everyone, that, that I will deal with, with everyone on this. Don't think that you can get away with it. Don't think that you can be like a drunkard that's among sober people. You're going to be found out, and we know that our sin will find our, us out as well, the Scripture says. And then in verse 20, the Lord would not spare him, for then the anger of the Lord and his jealousy would burn against this, that man, and every curse that is written in this book would settle on him, and the Lord would blot out his name from under heaven. And the Lord would separate him from all the tribes of Israel for adversity according to the curses of the covenant that are written in the book of the law, so that the coming generation of your children who rise up after you and a foreigner who comes from a far land would say, when they see the plagues of the land and the sicknesses which the Lord has laid on it, the whole land is brimstone, salt, and burning. It is not sown, nor does it bear, nor does any grass grow there, like the overthrow of Sodom and Gomorrah, Adma and Zeboam, in which the Lord overthrew in his anger and his wrath. All nations would say, Why has the Lord done so uh, to this land? What does the heat of that great anger mean? And the people would say, Because they've forsaken the covenant of the Lord God of their fathers, which he made with them when he brought them out of the land of Egypt. For they went and served other gods and worshipped them, and gods they did not know, that he did not give, had not given to them. Verse 27, Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against this land to bring on it every curse that is written in this book. And the Lord uprooted from, uh, them from the land in anger and wrath and great indignation and cast them into another land as it is this day. Verse 29, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and our children forever, that we may do well in all the words of this law. The judgment would be a warning um, to the future generations and also testimony to the other nations that God had kept that covenant. But verse 29, I want to end very quickly. I know it's getting late here tonight. That the secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things revealed belong to us and to our children forever. The word of God is revealed so much for us. There are certain things that are not revealed to us. I, I kind of was thinking about Revelation chapter 10. The seven, thunder, the seven thunders uttered their voices there in Revelation chapter 10. And, and John was told not to write those things down. They will not be revealed. It's amazing how many papers or books I've read. Well, we know what the seven thunders uttered. You know, it's like the secret things belong to the Lord your God. He told them don't reveal it. And all of a sudden you're saying that you've been revealed to you. There is certain things that the Lord hasn't revealed to us, but the things that are belong to us and to our children. And so may we be ones to take heed to it, understand it, and pass it on to others and to our children. That there is blessing in walking with the Lord, and there is consequences for disobedience in walking with the Lord as well. We'll stop there. We'll pick it up at chapter 30. We're going to close in prayer. And... Um, and as we close in prayer, uh, one of the things that I want to do, and um, Daniel Rensel, would you come up? We want to pray for you. Daniel is back from Iraq just on leave, and he'll be going back. But Daniel grew up in this church, and we've been praying for him. And uh, as we close in prayer, 
And uh, JD, if you'll come up too as well. Let's just pray. Um, and Jim, if you'll come up, we'll pray for him. And then we'll, you guys, would you stand and just join us? And then we'll end the service here. We were talking about, we thought Daniel was going to come and he walked in the door tonight. So.